With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. From WBZ News Radio in Boston, this is New England Weekend. Each week we come together to talk about all the topics important to you and the place where you live, and it's great to be back with you this week. I'm Nicole Davis. First on the show this week, we'll talk with Louisa Nanaberos and Rebecca Ottinger. Now, both of them are working on the annual Cape Verdean Jewish Passover Seder. And this year, because of COVID, like so much, the Seder has to go virtual for the very first time. So Rebecca and Nana will have some details about the history of the Seder, uh, the acts they've got involved this year, and how you can get involved, even if you're not Jewish. After that, Gabriel Langfer is on the show. He is the president of the board of directors at the New England Musicians Relief Fund. Now, he and other local musicians are coming together, supporting others in their industry who have found themselves out of work because of COVID. So we'll talk about what you can do to help keep that going and what they've been able to do so far for their fellow musicians. March 27th, marking the start of Passover this year, and usually when we're not in a pandemic, there's an event that takes place over in Roxbury at Hibernian Hall that brings people together to celebrate a very special, unique connection. This year marks the 15th year for the Cape Verdean Jewish Passover Seder. Unfortunately, like so much in the world, though, they've had to go virtual this year for the first time. That is not stopping the organizers, though, from honoring this incredibly rich history that's tied into this Seder. You might be wondering about that connection, how it came to pass. I was certainly curious. So to tell us about this, we've got Louisa Nana Barros. She is a former Cape Verdean co-chair of the Seder's planning committee, and also on the show this week, Rebecca Ottinger, a Jewish co-chair of the event this year. So thank you both, Nana and Rebecca, for joining us. Nana, I would love to start with you to get a bit of that background, a bit of that history, and telling us a bit more about how this event came about. There is a lot of history, yes. I, 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 um, I myself, I remember my grandmother used to tell me the story, used to tell us that uh, we um, may have some Jewish blood, uh, my great great grandfather was Jewish, a father Jewish. Um, he fled to Cape Verde. I guess he father about 40 children there. Ah. But the two community came together um, through a wonderful man by the name of Joe Short back in 2005. Um, I believe he worked around a lot of Cape Verdean folks in Boston. Um, and and he, he realized that there were a lot of similarity with the two um, groups. Um, a lot of Cape Verdeans are descendants of Jewish. And I think there was also like Haitian, and Rebecca can correct me too if I, you know, if, if I miss anything, but I think there was a lot of like uh, Haitians, Cape Verdeans, and Latino Cape Verdeans, but then, um, Joel realized there's, there is a, 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 a Jewish Cape Verdean um, Seder. Um, he thought it'd be a great idea um, to have the Seder just to bring this to um, 
countries together, knowing that there is a lot of history there. And Massachusetts has a very robust Cape Verdean community. There are a lot of uh, Cape Verdean immigrants who live here in Massachusetts. So does Rhode Island. So I would imagine when Joel put this together, you know, there was a lot of interest in this. Yes, yes. A lot of interest, rightfully so. I think it's a beautiful, um, I don't know, a a beautiful project that brings uh, people together that will teach the Cape Verdeans that don't know about the Jewish descendants, the history Uh, the part that they played in Cape Verde, and also for the future generation, um, such as my kids and other, you know, children to know about the history about um, between these two countries, what we share together, you know, the immigration, the suffering, the slavery and all that. Um, And yeah, until this day, there is a lot of Jewish grave in Cape Verde Islands. Well, Rebecca, you are a co-chair of the planning of the Seder this year. So let's talk about your involvement. How did you find the Seder and how did you grow interested in this? Sure. So I um, happened upon it again from Joel Schwartz, who Nana was just mentioning. Mm -hmm. Um, He is a, a very outgoing person and actually met me at a music festival. We all really love music. Um, Nana, Joel, and I actually, the three of us all really have a deep affinity for music. So we met at a global peace uh, music festival in Boston called Mm. Crash Fest. And um, you just said, you know, there's this great event, join the committee. And I had just moved back to Boston um, after going home after college. And I was like, this is a great event. I'm, this is interesting. Um, So I attended the first year and it's usually in person. Um, So I attended um, in person at Hibernian Hall and um, I loved it. I just thought it was so uh, such a beautiful mix of cultures. And I have always loved learning about new cultures. So to be able to, to see the two and how they connect and how they're very different, but still have this really uh, common ground was so beautiful. And so I did it the first year just uh, attending and, and being on the committee. And then the second year, I, um, Nana was the co-chair and I um, led kind of in the front as one of the Seder leaders, um, the two people in the front who kind of carry the Seder through throughout the night, okay. throughout the event. Um, and then this year I became a co-chair. So it was a nice kind of uh, transition one into the other. Um, but it's, it's just, it's such a, um, it's such an exciting event because it's something that I think on both sides is so new and different. Um, and I think that's something we all really love about it. Well, and sure. And especially right now that we're dealing with COVID, I think that any way that we can come together, right, any way that we can find that connection, it's a good thing. And unfortunately, yes. you know, we can talk about normally what would happen in a minute. But this year you have to take it virtual like so many other events. How do you plan on trying to move this incredible, big, interesting, fun event that you normally would have at this hall online? Yeah, so this is what we were so excited about this year, because in the past we've done it in Boston uh, with people from Boston and Rhode Island. There's been some people from Rhode Island who have come um, and been on the committee. And so uh, we, you know, this year we were able to to think about, okay, we're not just reaching Cape Verdeans and Jews and everyone in Boston interested, but we can go international. And so we tried to rethink, um, you know, we have the kind of format already of what we usually do, but we took each of it and said, 
let's get people from our community and people from the previous committees and this year to do pre-recordings, to do, you know, their own expression of these different sections. Sure. So this year we have this really lovely, um, you know, showcase of people being able to highlight their expression and the way that they would do a certain prayer or a certain, um, you know, ritual or aspect of the event. Um, so that's what we were so excited about this year is that we can incorporate all these different people from our community and hopefully reach an international audience is like our goal. So we're, you know, doing it in Cape Verde in Creole and in English. So we'll have like subtitles and be able to hopefully reach a larger audience to bring, bring everyone together. Obviously, you had to make this move out of necessity because of COVID. But if you think about it, this starts to pick up speed. This could end up becoming a whole new way to make this event that much bigger and pulling in people every year from all over the world. I mean, imagine the impact that would make. Yes, we can. And that's the exciting part about it, um, that we will be able to reach so many people across the country, across the world, um, not just Cape Breton, but all, all kinds of descendants, folks, which would be really nice. So then give us, Nana, a bit of an idea about some of the performers and some of the people getting involved. Uh, do you have any details on that? Oh, yeah, sure. Yes. Well, before I talk about Elder and Hermeta, I just like to point out that I did met Joe to uh, music because my husband is a musician himself, Bino Bottles. Oh. So check him out, BinoBottles.com or at BinoBottles75 on Instagram. So he's a great musician. So I have to give him a credit because that's how I came in contact with Joe okay. through all this. Um, but yeah, so we have um, two wonderful, great ladies um, joining us this year. Um, Aldida Almeida, she's very vibrant and great. She um, uh, She's really lively, so I think people will really enjoy her show. And then the, the, the theme for this year for the SEDA is um, resiliency. We, given all that's going on and in this um, unprecedented time, as they call it, I call it upside down world moment. Mm -hmm. um, so we thought that the song that she sings fits perfectly with our team for this year, which talks about resiliency and how you could consigue and consigue. You know, I can't get there. I can't get it done. It's it's like a hope song that that you know we will reach. And also we have um, Gardenia ben, ben Rose, which I believe does, Rebecca, I think she has some kind of Jewish yeah. descendant. Yes, so she'll be asked, she, she's actually will be singing in is it Hebrew, Ladino, yes. So um, yeah, so, so we're looking forward to that and I'm sure people will enjoy their, um, their voices as well. Oh, I have no doubt. And, you know, yeah. Rebecca, this Seder has been going on for 15 years. So hard to believe, I'm sure. 15 years, though. So it sounds like it's really become a mainstay in both, you know, the Cape Verdean and the Jewish communities. I think it has definitely um, come to be something that, you know, it's is known throughout the community in Boston. I think we're always trying to get the word out more just because it's it's such a great event that like a lot of people don't still know about, but the people who do come every year. And mm -hmm. I think that there's a large group of people who 
like look forward to it every year and who, um, you know, also on the committee, like we have, you know, every year there's like between 10 and 20 people who are on this committee who are, you know, once a month, twice a month meeting um, on the sidelines, doing all of the behind the scenes work of getting everyone together. And it's all out of love and out of wanting this to succeed. So um, it certainly has, you know, had a big impact on those who have who have stumbled upon it or <laughs> have been able to join. Um, and also uh, what you were mentioning before, um, you know, there's also uh, people of all ages who participate, which is really wonderful. So, you know, we always have a youth component. So we have um, some youth in Cape Verde who are gonna be doing a recording um, to show at, this, at the event at the Seder. And we're also going to have um, some youth in Boston from a synagogue um, in Boston participating. We have a, a teenager who's dancing. We have some people in our community who are elders that are doing um, blessings. And so we really like try to bring in all of the generations, which I think for both cultures is a really big, um, uh, you know, really important thing for us. So that's, that's really exciting too. No, oh, sure. And Nana, you know, in person, this event has got to just bring so much happiness to so many people. Yes, it does. It makes you just want to hug everybody because <laughs> with all the excitement and, 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 and the love and, and, and just seeing people come together. Yeah. So in, in, in person, it's just so, so, so much better. So, yes, please join us next year. If this monsters goes away so we can all connect again and give each other a hug but it, it is a wonderful event in person especially when you see the young people the youth um coming together into training and and sharing the the the, the culture and uh yes 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 well, let's talk about details then, because fingers crossed, yes, next year it will be in person. But unfortunately, this year it has to be virtual, which maybe yes. not unfortunately, because, you know, you mentioned all the great content coming in from all over the world. If somebody is listening and they want to join you for the Seder, um, Rebecca, let's talk with you about this. How can they do that? And is there anything they need to have at home to take part? Yes. Thank you so much for asking. So the event is Sunday, March 21st. Um, so that's just, you know, a couple, just 10 days away. Oh, yeah. uh, so Sunday, March 21st, um, it's at 2 p.m. Eastern time, uh, which in Cape Verde is going to be 5 o'clock, um, 5 p.m. And uh, on the West Coast, it'll be 11 a.m. So 2 p.m. Eastern time. Um, and people can join uh, from anywhere, of course. And the only thing that you need to have uh, is internet access so you can join um, but you also can join with a glass of wine because there's aspects of the event that involve drinking a glass of wine as a ritual and saying a blessing um, and so we you know do this together so you can just have or grape juice uh, wine or grape juice and if people want to um, they also can create uh, have a plate of the kind of uh, rituals and we will send around to everyone who registers information of how they can do that to prepare their own kind of little a meal for themselves and their family. Um, and how you can join, uh, you just register. So it's a very quick two second name, email, uh, where you're visiting from or joining from. Um, and so in order to connect, uh, I think there's two uh, of the easiest ways is through Facebook or through our uh, webpage. So our Facebook um, handle, you could say, is at 
CVJPS. So it's Cape Verdean Jewish Passover Seder. Okay. And our uh, webpage is capeverdeanjewishseder.com. And join through either of those methods. You just click the register button and fill out a quick, super quick form. And then we'll send out the Zoom link to everyone. Nana, what if somebody's not Jewish and they're listening or they're not Cape Verdean and they say, look, I still want to take part in this. It sounds like such a fun event. I want to learn more about the Cape Verdean community. I want to learn more about Judaism. Is it okay for them to attend as well? Absolutely. The door is open to all. Mi casa es su casa. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. You don't have to be Cape Verdean. You don't have to be Jewish to join this event because this event is it's 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 more than just being Cape Verdean and Jewish um, connection. It's about bringing people together. Um, all, all people from all walks of life. We all um, go through similar situation in life, whether it's oppression, whether it's feeling sad and hopeless, um, you get the idea. So we all need some kind of um, connection. So yes, yeah, so you don't have to be Jewish or Cape Verdean to join us. And also if you don't have an internet access, you know, maybe you can find a hotspot somewhere <laughs> and log in, you know, so, but we love to have everyone join us. And this is really, um, it's going to be an exciting day. All right. Well, Rebecca Ottinger is a Jewish co-chair of this year's event and uh, Louisa Nanaberos, a former Cape Verdean co-chair of the Seder's Planning Committee. It's been wonderful to have you both on the show. Thanks for coming on, talking about the event, and I hope it goes well. Thank you. Thank We're you. We're very excited. And we are live streaming it on Facebook as well, so people can join that way also if they want to. So again, if you want to know more about the Seder, again, anybody can come to this event, which I think is just incredible. You can find it on our social media channels. I'll put that up here in the next couple of days. The show is on both Twitter and Facebook. So if you want to find us on Twitter, you can find us at twitter.com slash WBZNEweekend. Again, twitter.com slash WBZNEweekend. Or on Facebook, you can find us a couple of different ways. You can pull us up on the search function. Just type in New England Weekend. It's a page. It should pop up pretty quickly. Or you can just go direct. Go to Facebook.com slash New England Weekend. Again, Facebook.com slash New England Weekend. All right, coming up after the quick break right here on the show, we'll have Gabe Langfer. He is a professional musician. And also, he's working with a great group called the New England Musicians Relief Fund. They're doing what they can right now to keep struggling musicians. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Going as we make our way through the pandemic. 
So details on that coming up in a matter of minutes right here on New England Weekend from WBZ News Radio. Welcome back to New England Weekend from WBZ News Radio in Boston. I'm Nicole Davis. When was the last time you were able to take in some sort of live music or a concert? Maybe that last event for you was a virtual one over Facebook or Zoom, or maybe you were able to go outside, but it was very, very distanced. If you're thinking of maybe the Boston Symphony Orchestra, a choir of some kind, there's a pretty good chance you haven't seen them play live in quite some time. And I also think about the stadium concerts that we used to go to at Gillette and other large stadiums, venues like Great Woods, so on and so forth. It's been quite some time since music lovers were able to really take in the music that they love in the way they love to do it. And musicians, well, considering we're passing one year since the worst of this started to take hold, musicians all over the region are really struggling to get by right now. And it's not just financially, but it's mentally too. They take such joy and passion in doing what they love, and uh, the pandemic has really ripped that away from them. In response to this, there's a group of musicians coming together, trying to help their peers get by the best way they can. One of them is Gabe Langfer. He is a musician who is now serving as the president of the board of directors of the New England Musicians Relief Fund. Gabe is on the show with us right now, so thanks for taking the time to come on. Let's start with this. I'd love to hear some details about how you and the other musicians came together, thought of this idea to help your fellow musicians out, considering, you know, the fund hasn't been around that long. It was created in response to COVID. Yes, um, I am. um, I'm a professional trombonist. Uh, I've been a freelancer in the in the Boston area and throughout New England uh, for almost 30 years. And uh, I'm a member of the board of the Boston Musicians Association, the the Boston local of the American Federations of uh, American Federation of Musicians, the the Musicians Union. Um, and <clears throat> we were having a you know regularly scheduled board meeting on the Monday on the on the morning of Friday the 13th of March, and during that meeting. Uh, we were talking about all the concerts that had started to get canceled. And, you know, every once in a while, every few minutes, one of us would look at our phone and say, oh, there's another one. You know, there's another group of musicians out of work. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was it was very clear, you know, that that um, people were going to be out quite a bit of work. And, and, you know, freelance musicians, when we play, we get paid. Uh, when we don't play, we don't. So, you know, people's people's livelihoods were, were really um, going to be pulled out from underneath them. And we didn't know for how long, um, but we knew that they would need help. So another board member and I stayed after the meeting and we started doing research into what kinds of relief funding was available for artists. And um, it was hard to find. Um, you know, things came up soon after that, but but we but we thought right away, you know, we have to find a way uh, to help the musicians. So uh, he and I and um, and the and the and the president of the BMA and um, some other uh, friends, you know, musicians that we knew, uh, music industry executives, um, music lovers, uh, you know, from the from the community, we formed a committee um, and started figuring out what we could do. So uh, we started trying to raise money. Um, initially, we worked with a national organization called Sweet Relief, um, who ha- which had set up a COVID-19 fund. We did our first round of funding through Sweet Relief. We were really grateful to them for their support. Um, 
And then, uh, you know, as we put together our organization, we, we were able to move it local. So, um, you know, we have been able to give out uh, grants to over 300 musicians um, since then uh, to, to just help them. Um, you know, many are uh, many are, are using it for basic necessities, food and rent and utilities. Mm-hmm. Uh, some are using that money to, you know, invest in home recording technology to help them, you know, do something to further their careers, you know, during this time when we can't play live for people. Um, so that's how it started. And that's where we that's pretty much where we are right now. All right. Well, yeah, let's talk about that innovation, because I feel like some musicians have been doing their best to keep performing online. I know that I personally have been to more than one virtual concert. And of course, it's not quite the same, but it was nice to take it in, even if I was you know, sitting at home in my pajamas drinking a coffee. Uh, but how do you think musicians are trying to adapt to this so-called new normal? Well, certainly uh, live streamed concerts um, and and just simply recording and putting it out. Um, it's that some are more successful than others at finding ways for that to generate income. Um, and it's, and, you know, honestly, it's, it's, uh, it's hard uh, feeling isolated like that. You know, music is such a social activity. Mm. It's so much about, you know, people gathering together and, you know, bumping elbows with each other and, and, and just feeling, you know, the, 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 the vibe of the room, you know, um, that, that uh, as, as innovative and as creative as musicians have been um, and will continue to be, um, you know, the, 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 nothing is the same as live performance, you know, and it's something that we, we all miss. And, uh, it, you know, live performance will always be supplemented by recordings and other kinds of creative work. But um, but you can't replace it. So, you know, I know I'm really looking forward to getting back out on stage playing with people and for people. Yeah, that is an energy that you simply cannot you can't replicate it. So many people lean on music. I'm not even a musician. I tried playing clarinet for like three weeks and it went very poorly. So I'm not even I'm not even on that side of things. Right. But I think that people really took music for granted before all this. Now that we have to step back and have this out of our lives it, it hits on so many levels. Yeah, I, I have to say, you know, um, many of us uh, professional musicians have been dealing with depression and sort of anxiety in one way or another during this time. I certainly have. Mm-hmm. You know, um, when my orchestra seasons were canceled, you know, and, and I looked at what they would have been, you know, I just had to lie down for a while. You know, this was back in back last spring, you know, um, but uh, it has been incredibly encouraging and heartening uh, to see the response of of the music loving public. You know, when we have been able to tell the story uh, of of, you know, just how this impacts the musicians that people love to go and hear. Um, the response has really been tremendous. Um, and, and, and it's been, for me, it's been a tremendous source of encouragement, you know, and, and, and optimism that when we can get out in front of people again, people are going to come, you know, that, that, mm-hmm. that, they, that everybody is missing the, the experience of live music. 
Um, and, and, and that's become really apparent by how well people have responded to, to our calls for help. And the beautiful thing I've learned about musicians is that you're a family. You know, you're a community. And no sort of mm-hmm. pandemic can ever take that away from you. At the end of the day, you still have that connection. And it's definitely a rocky road right now. But this fund and so many other relief organizations out there. I see all these come together and I just really appreciate and respect that connection that musicians have with each other. Yeah, it's that's another thing that has become even more apparent to me uh, in this effort. Um, one of the things that we decided early on, you know, I mentioned that this, this started as an, uh, an endeavor coming out of the musicians union, but many musicians are not members of the union. You know, there, there are many uh, avenues of the musical uh, community that that where where the musicians union doesn't have that many contracts, you know, and and people aren't playing under under union contracts. But we decided early on that this fund needed to be for the whole musical community, regardless of union affiliation, regardless of genre, regardless of you know where people play, whether it's concert halls or theaters or clubs or or uh, nursing homes or or. or preschools or, you know, anywhere, anywhere that, that people were, were making a living playing music, right. you know, we, we, we wanted to help those people. Um, and so I've learned so much about the musical community and I feel like, you know, we, we have been able to come together. Um, we did a, we, we produced a, um, uh, an online an online benefit concert focusing on musicians uh, whose work is, is in Vermont. Uh, we called it Vermont Sounds. And, and we, we had uh, people from all different genres, and it was marvelous. We're working on one now for the Berkshires, and we're looking forward to, to, to more of those. Um, and it's been amazing to, to actually bring the community of musicians together even more um, you know, with people from all different genres. So then let's talk about the impact of the help that you and the others at the fund have been pulling together for all this time. Do you see the musicians you've been helping find themselves able to get more of their work out there right now and getting back to where they were before the pandemic, or is it still really tough for them? It's definitely a mixed bag. You know, some people, some musicians were in uh, more stable financial shape before this all started. And, and for them, it's a matter of keeping themselves out of balance. You know, um, others were closer to the edge, quite honestly. And, mm-hmm. and the, the, the money we've been able to, to get them has been a lifeline, you know, to, to buy some time, honestly. And I, you know, I can't honestly say that by and large, our work has, has helped spur creativity, except that it probably has helped some people, you know, put off trying to, to get a different job or to look for, you know, some other source of income for a while. Um, that has certainly been happening as well. You know, we're also very cognizant that, you know, as things open up, the, the we, we're, we're pretty much going to be the last people working, you know, um, because, because it will take time before people do, before people really feel safe to gather, before you know, before it really is allowed to have the kinds of events that where musicians typically work. 
Well, let's talk about that then, because I know here in Massachusetts, we're in this next phase. We're coming into phase four here in a couple of weeks where, you know, the stadiums and the ballparks are opening. But with this uh, phase three, step two, now uh, live performance venues are starting to open in most of the state. And uh, that's giving musicians a bit more of a chance to get out there. Live music in restaurants is okay Mm -hmm. again. What are you hearing from people about this? Uh, honestly, I'm not hearing a lot about it myself because what I usually do, my, my own career is typically in orchestras. And the economics of orchestras are such that, you know, the halls, it, it's, it's hard to do with the hall, you know, one third full or right. a quarter full. And, and orchestras are starting to do some, but not typically with the large orchestras where, you know, I'm a brass player, I'm a trombone player. We play when it's the big orchestra, not mm-hmm. when it's the small, you know, the, the chamber orchestra. Yeah. Um, so uh, everything is still very uncertain. That, that's what I'm, what I'm hearing from the people that I typically play for, is that everything is still really uncertain. We still really don't know when we're going to be able to resume activities the way we were before. Well, and with the vaccine, we're still having some trouble rolling that out. It's going to take some time. Uh, they're saying, mm-hmm. what, the end of the summer, maybe before most healthy people here in Massachusetts are vaccinated completely. I mean, that pushes things out at least a few months for you, and that's got to be frustrating. It absolutely is frustrating. Yeah. Uncertainty is the worst part. I can't even imagine. It really just does seem like we have a long, long way to go before we get back to the way we used to enjoy live music across the board. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So in the meantime, we're doing the best we can. Um, And we're trying to help people get through it. That's all you can do. And I think about the future then, you know, after the pandemic, whenever that is, you know, next year, the year after that, uh, Mm -hmm. you're, you're clearly providing an incredible integral service right now, helping these musicians get by. But do you think that after the pandemic, you'll stick around or is it too early to tell? Uh, I'm sure we will. Um, the truth is that it's 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 always been difficult to be a freelancer, uh, to be a freelance artist, uh, that much more so. You know, one of the things about the pandemic that that I I think it's not just us. It's not just this. You know, that the cracks are exposed. You know, the 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 difficulties in our society are exposed, and and one of them is certainly that um, that freelancing is hard. Uh, you know, when most um, health insurance is typically provided by employers. You know, if you don't have an employer that provides health insurance, then you have to buy your own health insurance. And how do you do that? And, and how do you, you know, uh, one of the difficulties that, that many of us faced um, was with receiving unemployment benefits. Because if you have, you know, many employers, that's a difficult thing for the unemployment system to deal with. And if you have a mix of W-2 and 1099 income, it can get very difficult. Oh, sure. So it's, it's things like that. You know, we're sort of some of the problems and the difficulties and sort of the weaknesses in, in our system have become this much more apparent. And it's really my hope that uh, this organization, uh, the New England Musicians Relief Fund, can uh, – can serve as a resource and a way to help people with those things. Just for an example, maternity leave benefits, for example, is something that if you have a single employer is typically part of your employment package. For a freelancer, that doesn't exist. Um, and that's just one example of, of you know, many things like that. So 
and then you know we are also we're, we we are we have started the planning process for what kinds of programs and what kinds of things we can uh, help offer in the future. Looking to partners for um, sort of some specialized continuing education that might be useful to musicians in the future. Um, you know things like that. The ways that we can support people in their artistic lives. This is wonderful, and I think about then if somebody wants to help you do this. Fiscally, I'm sure if somebody wants to offer money, you're never going to say no. So if somebody wants to connect and and help you out, how can they do that? They can go to our website, uh, nemrf.org. Right there at the top of the front page, there's a there's a button of, of, you know, how to help. Uh, You can donate if you're a musician and uh, you think we can help you. There is also a button right there at the top of that front page of, of how to apply. And you cover musicians all over New England, right? Not just Massachusetts, not just, uh, you know, the, the greater urban areas, but this is all six states. That's right. And and actually over into the Hudson Valley of New York as well, where there's a lot of crossover at the border there. You know, musicians going uh, both ways across that New York, uh, Connecticut, Massachusetts, Vermont border. Oh, that's great. All right. Good to know. Well, uh, Gabe, any any advice you might have for somebody who might be listening and is a musician? They've been struggling. They're thinking, you know, maybe I just should just give it all up right now. And this is ridiculous. I'm never going to get back to performing. What sort of advice do you have for them? Uh, first, go to our website and apply for a grant and uh, look around there. there We're not the only ones who are trying to help. Um, there are other organizations doing it, too. And, and uh, some of them are national, some of them are regional, um, but uh, don't give up yet. Um, and and if, we can, if we can help you, we certainly will. Well, Gabe Langford, the president of the board of directors at the New England Musicians Relief Fund, this has been really good, insightful conversation. I appreciate your time coming on the show, and hopefully we can get some more help out there for our musicians. Well, thank you. Thank you for, um, thank you for airing this. Thank you for... for helping us put our message out there. And that is it. Another edition of the show is in the books. As always, thank you so much for tuning in and please stay safe and healthy this weekend. Unfortunately, bundle up because the warm weather seems to be on the way out. It'll be a blustery weekend as well. Join me again next week for another edition of the show. I'm Nicole Davis from WBZ News Radio on iHeartRadio. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.